0: Folks, the Winnipeg Jets had a Friday evening that they probably want to forget. Not exactly the best way to kick off the weekend, a 4-1 defeat to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Now, despite the loss, not everything was terrible in this game, but I think the Jets are not going to be happy with stuff like defensive coverages, the lack of scoring, etc. We'll walk through what went wrong in this game, what went right, and what the Jets can focus on for the future on tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets. Hey, friends, and welcome to tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLocal and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, Odyssey, and YouTube. Doing so is completely free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. But mostly, we just really love and appreciate your support. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you cover the season with more odds, props, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. Now, like I said in the intro, tonight's episode is going to focus mostly on Winnipeg versus Columbus. This was a game where I, I said the Jets probably had a straightforward win. I should just shut up, to be honest. Uh, you know, the, the Jets, this is still a team that is very much in a transition state, right? So I think Garrett Hull on Twitter, um, who does a lot of tracking and stuff, I think the, the way that he best describes the Jets is that they're a middling team overall, right? Where I think there's nuance to that is is the Jets are good at certain things. Winnipeg is good at creating dangerous chances off the rush. Uh, Winnipeg has very good goaltending. And Winnipeg's top six has some very talented scorers, right? So you'll look at that and you'll say, well, that's a pretty good team, right? I think a game like what we saw against Columbus is sort of the other side of that coin. You know, for as much as the Jets are going to do right, there are going to be many issues that they still have. And it's something that I've alluded to in previous episodes, you know, dating back to the offseason. I said, even with the changes, let's be honest, you know, the habits that the Jets have developed aren't really going to be going away anytime soon. And, you know, until the roster composition, I would say, really changes and you have a a very firm tactical grounding for this team, which Bones is still kind of trying to establish, you're going to see games like this. It's not that surprising. So we'll start off with the bad stuff first, because I think that's going to be the easiest stuff to kind of get through. Uh, And I think, you know, I always try to get the unfun things uh, out of the way as quickly as possible. So stuff that you're not going to be happy about. Uh the first one's going to be defensive marking, especially on transition encounters. I think that was a major weakness for the Jets. They it seemed like they got lost on assignments. Kind of reminds me of what would happen when we saw uh you know Paul Maurice's man zone's uh hybrid system that really didn't have fixed assignments. Guys would switch uh, you know, marks and, and wouldn't really communicate. And let's be honest, most of Winnipeg skaters aren't really defensively attuned. If you ask them to do a really complicated defensive schema, more often than not, it's not going to end well. So we sort of saw that again tonight, not to the same degree, I would say, but it also wasn't very good. And on a lot of the goals where, you know, Patrick Lenny actually bagged a couple himself, I think Branson had one credited, you know, it's just one of the situations where the Jets kind of got caught on counters, got caught not really recognizing the threat as, Maybe there was an odd man situation, uh, a winger kind of cutting in along the flanks and then driving towards the slot. Whatever it was, Winnipeg just didn't really have it. And unfortunately, they paid the price. You know, the, the shots that Linus scored on were both very good, but I think the Jets would also probably ask for at least one or two extra saves from Riddick. It wasn't like the Jets were doing themselves any particular favors at the other end, because while Winnipeg was dominating Columbus's slot, scoring kind of came at a premium. Uh, the only goal the Jets managed to cash in was Pierre-Luc Dubois shoving one home on a rebound for a power play goal. But overall, the Jets were just, I wouldn't say they were bad, right? I, I think offensively, they got to the really dangerous areas and Corpusalo put on a magnificent performance in net. But, you know, like I always say, the Jets still have to take care of business. And if you lose, that's not really taking care of business. Uh, it, it's not like you can really rely on moral victories when you're playing a team that has like seven wins on the season, right? So the Jets, they're not going to be thrilled. In terms of the effort levels, I don't think it was that poor or anything. The first like 10 to 20 minutes, they were pretty slow. I'll admit the first period was just not good. Winnipeg didn't really look at, like it had its skating legs. Um, the speed of Columbus seemed to catch the Jets off guard. All of these rush counters and stuff really put Winnipeg in a pinch. They had a lot of turnovers to Columbus that were kind of unnecessary and it just seemed like the Jets weren't really expecting uh, the, the Jackets to pressure them as often as they did. And Columbus had some really nice looks as a result. So, you know, in conjunction with all of the other factors, the Jets just really didn't seem like they had this game uh, as a as a victory already marked off. It was more of a performance where you know, Winnipeg's mental gaffes and mistakes ultimately put them in a hole that they were never really able to climb out of. And even when the Jets finally started putting two and two together, you know, not long after that, they actually conceded another goal, a fourth one. So it's it's frustrating, but it's kind of not surprising. And I think that is sort of one thing I've tried to really communicate is that for all of the changes and for all of the good that the coaching staff is instituting, understand that we're going to see more of these games throughout the season. There are going to be nights where the Jets just suck. You can't really be 100% at all times throughout the year. But I think in particular, you know, the, the Jets are a bit of a unique case, right? Like there are recently, um, I, I guess, front you know, or or coaching staff change. You know, this is a, a pretty recent upheaval, you know, from, from the ground up for this team. So obviously for as many uh, changes as the Jets are still trying to implement, and likely roster changes that will need to happen later in the offseason or even before the trade deadline. This is not really Winnipeg's final form yet. So keep that in mind. Keep that in you know the back of your mind that the Jets are still changing. They're still growing. And even though the Jets are going to have games like this where they're just a, a bit on the me- mediocre side, if we're being honest, you know they still have a lot of room to grow. And perhaps this is not going to be you know, the floor for this team. Maybe the Jets are going to raise the bar raise the floor with it as well and show us that they can actually be not a bad team, not an average team, but a good team. I I think we're seeing signs of there being parts that are really good, but the other parts are still holding them back. And that's going to be a recurring theme throughout the season, but Winnipeg has only fallen to 14, seven and one right now. So it's not like the loss is particularly painful. We'll talk about what the jets did well and how they can prepare for Anaheim in just a little bit. And then towards the end, we'll also talk about some, uh, Really fun World Cup results and some things that I think are at least, you know, worthy storylines to point out. But before we go any further, I do want to shout out our friends and partners at BetOnline.net. BetOnline is your number one source for all of the sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis you need, whether you're looking for stuff for amateur leagues or professional leagues. They've got everything from football, basketball, soccer, esports, automotive racing, horse racing, ice hockey, obviously. Just about anything you can imagine under the sun. BetOnline has you covered in that respect. They've also got Vegas casino games. For those of you who aren't really as thrilled with betting, Uh, you know, on sports, maybe you want something that's a little bit more familiar to you. Card games, slots, all that great stuff. They've got that in spades. And if you want to take a pause on betting, period, and just catch up on the latest news, they've also got great sports podcasts, news articles, and analysis because they want to be your number one destination for all things sports related. As always, though, there's still the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix in. So if you're ready, ready to register for a free account, head on over to BetOnline.net on your laptop or mobile device right now because BetOnline is where the game starts. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. We're taking a look now at Winnipeg's you know, strengths in this game against the Blue Jackets. Obviously, there were a number of weaknesses that put them in a 4-1 hole, but not all of, all of it was bad, right? There were some things that were worth spotlighting, uh, maybe some player performances that I was impressed with, maybe some overall thoughts on how the Jets created offense. But before we go any further and dive into that, I just wanted to make sure that you make your second listen of the day locked on sports today from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports locked on sports today helps you go beyond the locker room and scoreboard and check in with our local experts, providing you insights and analysis that only locked on can give you. Be sure to subscribe to locked on sports today on all of your favorite podcasting platforms, including YouTube odyssey megaphone and all of the other platforms that locked on jets is available on. Obviously it is free to uh, free to subscribe. So do so right now, and be sure to give Locked On Sports Today your support. Now, circling back to the Jets and what they did well against the Jackets, I think slot offense is probably one of the biggest things. Winnipeg down low was very good. I, I think that there would ordinarily be more than one goal in a performance where the Jets basically just sort of gashed the, uh, the Jackets' defense. Columbus, for their part, really wasn't all that clean either. You know, the first 20 minutes or so, They were pressuring the Jets and looked like they were handling things. But as the game wore on and the Jets started to grow more and more confident in possession, you saw the Jackets starting to panic under pressure. They had some really sloppy turnovers. Just like the Jets, they really couldn't exit the defensive zone cleanly. But this is a team that's kind of tanking right now, so it's not really surprising. And unfortunately, you know... Uh, the players that I did predict being a problem for the Jets, in particular, Line a, um and, and Goudreau, they actually you know, played a pivotal part in this game. Roslovic also had an assist or something, so I guess everyone in the trade just about had some kind of a contribution offensively, which is weird and, and good in its own way and kind of cool, but also not great because the Jets still kind of ended up on the losing side of this game. But... Other things that I was happy with, uh, I I think Sam Gagne in his return to the lineup really proved that he shouldn't be being benched. I know that he's not like the fleetest of foot, but listen, you know, when you're wanting somebody who's got elite offensive instincts, great passing and veteran experience, plus a pretty decent shot, you know, Gagne kind of checks off all of the boxes. He's not the sexiest name and he's not the player that's going to wow you because he's like a one-on-one master or something like that. You know, he's not Kyle Connor on the faceoff circle. What you're getting with Gagne is a player who just knows where to be as like a complimentary piece. He can carry the puck up the ice effectively. He can create some good breakouts with a good stretch pass. But where he makes his real bread and butter is between the faceoff circles or on either side, right? Where he wants to be is kind of hovering around the slot. And that's where Gagne has gotten off a lot of one timers, some of which have been really fabulous saves, some of them just an unlucky bounce or a ping maybe a shot just wide or over the bar. So it's obvious that Gagne is in the right headspace. I think he's in the right areas on the ice as well. It's just finding ways to capitalize on those opportunities a little more frequently. And I think if he plays continually with the sort of Jets players that he probably should be paired with, uh, you'll see his points total continue to rise. Also, uh, speaking of other players that I think are, are rising in stock, Obviously, David Gustafson continues to really impress me. The guy just does pretty much anything you ask of him, whether you want him to be a monster at even strength, maybe somebody who can really be defensively responsible on the PK. He exudes confidence and maturity and experience, which is really funny because he's like 23, I want to say. So, you know, relatively speaking, pretty young, might even be younger than that. But Gus is like the consummate NHL professional. And when you watch the way that he moves about the ice, how aggressive he is on the forecheck, how he's constantly fighting to create turnovers, and then he's you know actively bringing his line mates into the play on a consistent basis. It just screams to me that you're not really making the most of him if you're only playing him on that fourth line. Now that trio of Harkins, Gustafson, and Isamont is fantastic, right? Don't get me wrong. I think my bigger point is that at some point the Jets need to see Gustafson as potentially a second line center. I think he has that skill. I think he's good enough to do it. And I think if you are smart with how you assemble that that middle or top six, you could potentially run three almost unbeatable lines. And and Gustafson, I think, would be a really central pivot to whatever the Jets want to do because of his defensive acumen, his distribution skills, and just how strong he is when he's on the puck. I mean, this guy is really hard to dispossess. He's very smart about when to be aggressive and when to sort of back off. Again, like I said, for a dude that is extremely young, several years younger than I am. It's obvious that the maturity that he brings and the skill that he brings elevates him to a role that I think probably has has, you know, deserved more minutes than the Jets are giving him right now. I think the coaching staff is keenly aware that he is, you know, on the younger side, he's had an injury history, and right now he's crushing it in fourth line minutes with his current line mates. So, you don't always have to rock the boat, but I think for for Gus He's somebody that I would take the risk with, and I would love to see the Jets maybe even acquire some more scoring skill somewhere and perhaps put him on a line with it, maybe. You never know what's going to happen. I mean, the Jets have clearly a a need for some extra finishing talent. You know, the the team, as is constructed, is is all right and pretty decent in certain areas, but there are others where you're just going to have to rely on a trade or two, and uh, yeah, so... Winnipeg, after all of that, has another game on Sunday. Obviously, the Anaheim Ducks are kind of in a similar boat as to what the Blue Jackets are dealing with, but Anaheim is a little bit on the slower side, heavier side. Maybe this helps the Jets, maybe not. I think Winnipeg is going to have to work on defensive marking, especially on counters, but that's not really new. I mean, that's been an issue for a while. So maybe kind of working on how to establish responsibility uh, and make sure that you are calling for certain um, defensive marks, make sure you're switching off correctly, and perhaps also working on special teams. Uh the power play was not fantastic despite scoring a goal. Yeah, it's it's a pretty consistent theme with the uh the power play this year that the movement of the puck is just not fast enough. It seems like guys are hesitating way too much. So if there's one thing that I would really love Chevy to get us it'd be a nice goal scoring shooter. So we'll see if there's a surprise in the store. Maybe Bo Horvat is going to be a jet sooner than we realize, but I am not holding my breath. Now Speaking of holding my breath, I was holding my breath uh, yesterday and today during the World Cup matches, and there were some really compelling storylines that I think are are worth maybe even talking about from a hockey perspective as well, because a lot of people tend to look at sports, um, international sports, and they'll see the typical giants like Europe and and, um, maybe even Russia in certain sports. But Europe has had a really strong dominance in both football and in, in certain sectors of hockey, so How can we learn from the World Cup and maybe apply some of those lessons to the world of, say, NHL scouting? We'll talk about that in just a second and why the World Cup, for me, is one of the most compelling things I've seen in many years in sports. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. We're just closing out tonight with some real quick thoughts on kind of the connections between this year's World Cup and some interesting thoughts I've had about, Really, the the world of professional hockey and how the game is is growing in certain areas, but maybe not in others. When you see like women's hockey exploding in certain sectors, I think it's a really great story. And I think it's something that is important to share. Uh, You know, unfortunately, there have been some divides in the professional women's hockey community. But, you know, college women's hockey continues to grow. There are increasing numbers of uh, professional women's players. So I think that's really good. I thought about how you might expand that for the men's game as well, because we have some traditional powerhouse nations that tend to supply most of the players that feature in the NHL. Canada obviously overwhelmingly is the favorite there, but you've also got Sweden, you've got Finland, you've got the U.S., and a number of countries that have done really well in producing talent. But I think the World Cup has shown that in a lot of ways, the Western perspective has sort of limited and and held back. The growth of the sport in other areas and there are some regions that are just criminal criminally underscouted i think korea and the way that they have played in the world cup as well as japan i think these two teams have shown that places like the j league and the k league respectively um or actually you probably want to reverse that but uh you can guess which one is korea and which one is japan all the same i think you're you're, you're sort of missing out on some really fantastic talents We've even had an AHL player come over from Japan recently from the region of Hokkaido, which right now is trying to really make hockey popular again. But uh, thanks to some Olympic scandals and stuff might be a bit before we really see um, Japan or another East Asian team have a a major showing for the, the Olympics or maybe even another World Cup of Hockey tournament. So looking at all of that, you know, long term, how should teams in the future approach things? I think, you know, for one thing, it'd be really nice to develop more youth programs out that way. I think there are, you know, a number of concerted pushes for, say, football in Japan, uh, in, in 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 South Korea as well. This is also a big thing, uh, although that culture is mostly growing and burgeoning, whereas Japan has had a really... I would say expansive football network and a really good uh, and proud history over the past couple of decades. Korea's kind of growing their program, too, and you're starting to see the fruits of those labors moving to major European teams. Um, but hockey, you don't really see as much. I mean, there's just not really many East Asian or Southeast Asian players in the league. Uh, We have a couple of guys, you know, from Pacific Islander nations or uh, Southeast Asian island chains. You know, obviously, Jason Robertson of Filipino descent is awesome. That's a fantastic story. Uh, I think there are some other players of Asian descent, but you don't really see a ton. So I think it's something really interesting for teams to consider in the future. I think that there is a whole world of untapped talent and finding ways to reach out and found those programs that are, are done sustainably and promote long term growth. Would be a phenomenal thing for the game because, you know, we've seen how the World Cup can really bring drama, narrative, storylines, passion, and unification in ways that other sports just really don't, you know, bring folks together in the same way. And I think hockey could one day do the same thing. So we'll see if uh, the NHL or any of the other youth and, and professional leagues get interested in maybe growing the game. I know that they've tried potentially in the past, but I think some of the efforts have been a little bit half-hearted. It'd be nice if, maybe, for once, they're a little more concerted. But I'd be curious to know your thoughts on this or on how the Jets are doing. Let me know in the YouTube comments below or at my social medias, at Loco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. For tonight's episode, though, that is going to be all the time that we have. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. It brings you the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and our famous take of the day. It's available on all of your favorite podcasting platforms, so be sure to like, uh, follow, and subscribe right now. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go.